Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, take out those worship guides. Inside are some sermon notes as I dive into part three of a series we are calling Faith in the Fire. And I'm doing something a little bit different today. We celebrated our six-year anniversary last weekend, so I thought, let me change it up, and I'm going I'm to go away from the TV for a couple weeks, try this out. So I hope I can keep you engaged, okay? So it's just me up here today. But I really feel, feel like this message series is for a lot of people that have just been in seasons of testing. How many would say, man, there's been some seasons in my life where I've just been tested sometimes? So how many are saying it's because the person's sitting right next to you right now? No, no, don't, don't answer that question right there. We've all gone through seasons. I was going through a difficult season of testing this last summer, and in that season of testing, I really, uh, I found this, this story through the book of Daniel. I was doing my Bible reading through the book of Daniel, and uh, in Daniel, there's a story of three guys that we've been evaluating in the last two weeks, which by the way, let me just tell you this, next Sunday I will conclude this series and you don't wanna miss it as I kinda give you the finale of their story. But here's the three guys, I wanna kinda give you the background of them in case you missed the first couple weeks. Their name is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you say it with me, ready? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, say it louder one more time, ready? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're three guys who were, um, Jewish boys, they lived in Israel, and what happened was is Israel was bombarded and taken over by this country called Babylon. And when they took over um, Israel, they, the people kind of went into exile and into slavery, and then these three guys were taken as slaves and brought to Babylon, which is the equivalent to a sin city of America today, without giving any names, you know what I'm talking about. Like Babylon was as bad as it could possibly get when it comes to morals, when it comes to beliefs. And so they go to this place that's so opposite of their country, and they're immediately given test after test to figure out really how strong their faith is. And I think a lot of you guys feel like you're in that season. I've gotten email after email after text message of people just saying, Aaron, you have no clue. I'm in the fire right now, and you're preaching this series, so I hope it's helping you. And we talked about last week, they kinda got to their main test that we'll be talking about today and then next week also, where King Nebuchadnezzar, this king that's in charge of Babylon and now the whole known world, builds this giant statue that's 90 feet tall, nine feet thick, and as he builds this statue, they tell the people, they say, hey, as we're gathered around it, we're gonna look at this statue and the music's gonna play, and we're all gonna bow down and we're all going to worship it. Well, the, the three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, knew this is not what they do. They, they only worship the one true God, so as the music plays and everybody starts to bow down, these guys stand up. I think it's such a huge symbol for us today as our world, while we don't live in Babylon, how many know we're in a world that's fallen and broken and messed up and they're bowing to all kinds of crazy things. I think this is a beautiful time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand tall while the world bows down, to stand on our convictions, to stand on our beliefs, to stand on our faith, to say, you know what, no matter what the world does, we're gonna do what pleases God and we're gonna do what pleases what he wants us to do. Come on, help me out today, church. This is what we're gonna do. I said last week that if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. We have a lot of people falling for random stuff. And so today we're gonna continue this story because not only, uh, I would have loved for the story to end right there where they stand for their beliefs and everybody looks at them and claps and goes, oh, how nice. 
Look at that. Those guys stood for what they believe in. But no, there's actually consequences on the other side of their beliefs. Let's look at it. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to do a little bit of recap and reading from last week so you can see where we're at. And then we'll go into today's passage. It says in verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? Like, he's sitting there questioning, like, are you serious? Did you do this? When everybody else bowed, you're the only three that remain standing. Come on, Nebuchadnezzar was taking it personal. And many times, well, that'll be the biggest attack on your life is where people take it personal. Are you serious? And they're, they're making it about them when it's really something bigger than them. He says, listen, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, look what he says. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, well, then very good. Look what he said. He goes, listen, I know you didn't do it in front of everybody else. I'm going to give you another shot to bow down. Let me tell you, that is how the enemy works in your life. If he can't get in the front door, he's going to get in the back door, the window, the chimney. He's going to try to come in anyway. Don't think that your potential is so big. Don't think that you're a one-shot person, that, that the enemy is going to shoot at and then go, okay, well, I'm not going to mess with them anymore. He's going to keep attacking and keep attacking. And I want you to encourage someone today. He's not attacking you because of your failures and your faults and your struggles. He's attacking you because he knows the potential in your life and the future in front of you. So, so don't take it personal. Just understand he knows the greatness inside of you. So Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego get one more shot. says, listen, you can bow down. But if you don't bow down, here's what's going to happen. Immediately, I'm going to throw you into a blazing furnace. That got extreme really quick, didn't it? Like that's like, hey, not a penalty or a fine. Like let's, let's, let's contextualize it, okay, for us today. That would be equivalent of them saying, you're going to bow down or I'm going to throw you into this pool filled with alligators. Would you, would you sign? Oh, yeah, sounds good. Or, or I'm going to put you in this closet that's filled with, with spiders. Come on, how many are with me? Like, you, it's, it's an extreme consequence. And then he says, listen to this. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now, I know we've all been in those moments where we feel like, you know what, Aaron? If my faith was being tested, if this really came down to my life, or my faith, I would choose my faith. I would give my life for Jesus. You know, we've, we heard this situation growing up with, you know, if they put a gun to your head and said, renounce your faith or, or you're gonna die, you all say, you know what? I would give my life for my faith. I get kind of tired of that. Because you know what? I get a little frustrated with a lot of people that say, I'll give God my life, but I won't give him my daily decisions. I think it's, listen, let me tell you, I think it's way more admirable to honor God in the daily little decisions than to honor God with the big decision of like, hey, you can take my life in this situation. Where are the people that'll say, you know what, in the daily small disciplines of faith, I'm gonna honor God, I'm gonna do what's right, I'm not gonna compromise my convictions. I think that's more admirable in your life. So this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond. Here's our passage for today, verse 16. They respond to the king and say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. And the king's probably like, uh, yes, you do. Do you know who I am? And look what he says. He says, if you throw, your, throw us into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But here's the phrase. This, by the way, if you underline your Bible, could be the most important passage you underline in all the scriptures. It's a statement. It's a verse that I live my life off of. 
and you're gonna see why in just a few minutes. He says, but, he goes, even if he does not, if he doesn't save us from your furnace, guess what? We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. They say a statement that is so bold, it is so huge that I made it the entire title of this message and I want you to write it down. Here's the statement and I want you to get it today. Even if, even if, I think there's a standard that is being raised today in the Christian world where the believers and followers of Jesus are not saying I'm in it for the good days and I'm out because of the bad days. Not I'm in it when I got my miracle and I'm out when I get frustrated. No, no, no. we're raising up a church throughout Tampa Bay that'll stand up and say, even if God doesn't do what I want him to do, I'm following him. Even if he doesn't answer the way I want him to answer, I'm giving him my life. He is worthy of our praise no matter what else happens around us. Come on, can we give him better praise than that today, church? You know, if you ever came over Katie and I's house, we like to host people and hang out. Actually, today, why don't y'all all just drive over? That's making my wife a little nervous, but we, we like to have people over once in a while. And um, if you come over our house, there's three things you'll kind of experience every time you go over the Burke house, okay? I'll just let you know what it is. Number one is my wife will cook way more food than it's needed for the group that's there. All right? I don't know if you're like this either, but she, if there's eight people there, she'll cook for 25 that's just her way. And, and I'm the budget guy, I'm the money guy, so it frustrates me a little bit when I see all this food left over and she says the same statement every single time. She says, Aaron, it's always better to have more than enough than to run out. Okay, run out. How, how many have said that kind of statement at least? Well, how many are believing that kind of, that's all because you're from the South? That is a Southern thing right there. All right. That's one thing. The second thing you'll realize is that despite what Instagram proves, our house is chaos. And our kids are wild. They're seven and under, four kids, seven and under. And so there's, there's marker on the wall. I was scrubbing the wall yesterday just to try to get more marker off the wall. Like, so if you're looking for a beautiful Pinterest experience, you don't find it at the Burke house. That's number two. And number three is there will inevitably be a game that we play at our house that if you ever come over, you'll play it with us because it's so fun and it's so, uh, and I'm really good at it. And it's a game called Catchphrase. How many have ever played Catchphrase before in their life? It is the best game. I love Catchphrase. Catchphrase, it's basically where you get a, a word or a phrase comes on there and you have to describe it to people without using the phrase. How many have played this game? Come on, every location, one time in their life. All right, very good, all right? So we love it. Let me just say it this way. If you come over to my house uh, and we play this, I'm no longer your pastor. I'm your competitor. And I will bring you down. It's very intense. So I thought it would be fun. Maybe uh, this is a Guinness Book of World Records. I don't know if we've ever done this, if they've ever done this before. But I thought across four locations with thousands of people, if we could play a game of catchphrases. Is that all right? Y'all good with this? It's a little untraditional. What I'm going to do is, now this is a little sketchy because I don't know what's going to pop up. And there's been some vulgar stuff that popped up earlier in the services, so I just kept going next. So if I'm going next, I'm not cheating. I'm just trying not to lose my job, all right? So what I'll do is I'll try to get you to guess. And at every location, I want you to shout the words out that you think it is, and then we'll build it, and we'll build the phrase and see if you can get the catchphrase, okay? Let's, let's try it, all right? Ready, set, go. Okay, all right, it's a serial, and it's, it's, it's not a general. It's not a lieutenant. Okay, Captain Crunch, very good. Come on, you got that. All right, let's do the next one. All right, all right, uh, let's do, all right, it's, it's like you're talking, it's the opposite of talking. Uh, 
Okay, and then, all right, it's three words. The last word is not silver, it's not bronze, it's, okay, so it, say it loud, what? Silence is golden, very good. All right, one more, one more, all right, all right. All right, this one is, all right, uh, let's say it's uh, three words. It's not walking, it's, okay, so that's the first and third word. It's not woods, it's something else in the middle. Say it loud, what is it? At every location, run, forest, run. Very good, you got it, give yourselves a hand. All right, there we go. That is catchphrase, ladies and gentlemen. If you've ever played before, it's a really fun game. Let me tell you why that connects with our message at all. Because, one, it was fun. Second reason why it connects with the message is simply this. It's because if they were describing a Christian, and they were describe what it means to follow Jesus, I think the word or the phrase that should be connected to your life and to mine as followers of Jesus is these two words. Ready? Even if. They should look at Christians and not say they're in one day and they're out one day, they're up one day, they're down one day. No, no, no. Christians, followers of Jesus, are even if type people. Even if I don't get a miracle, I believe God. Even if it doesn't work out the way I want it to be, I'm gonna trust him. Even if it seems very difficult, I'm gonna worship him because we are a group of people that are not based on our feelings. We are based on faith, and faith in its fullest form says even if nothing happens the way I want it to happen, I'm gonna trust that God is good when life is not. Those are the type of people that we're raising up here. And here's why it's important. Let me tell you why. You need to raise your level of faith and your level of trust for this reason. Write it down your notes this way. Because I realize in my life that my level of peace is contingent on my level of trust. So a lot of people, they lack peace in their life and the reason they lack peace, it's like you have, uh, if you don't have peace in a relationship, why? The underlying issue is that there's no trust in that relationship. And it's the same with your relationship with God. The more you will trust him, the more times that despite the fiery furnace that's in front of you, you will have peace in those situations. Why? Because no matter what is going on around me, I know that I have a God that lives inside of me, and the Bible's very clear. The greater is him that's in me than he that is in the world, so I have confidence and peace that I can get through whatever comes my way. Why? Because my, my trust is in him. That's why one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah 26, says it like this, verse three. You will keep in perfect what? Perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast, and here's why, because they trust in, in you. you. You have your trust in God, and when your trust is in God, your life will be at a greater level of peace. So if you want more peace in your life, then raise your level of trust in God in your life, and watch how as the trust grows, the peace grows also. So I'm gonna help you today take some levels of faith and to go further and further in your, in your walk with God. Because some of you have been stuck at a level of your faith and trust in God and it's kept you experiencing true peace. I'm gonna show you actually in our Bible, in our, in our uh, passage in Daniel 3, the three levels of faith. And maybe you've never heard this before. This really spoke to me as I prepared this message for you. We see it right in verse 17. Look what he says. He says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is, shout that word out loud, he's able. Write it down. Here's the, this is the most beginner level of faith. This is where some of you guys have got to start. You're skeptics. You don't really believe in this whole thing. This is where you, your starting point would be that first. And here it is. Write it down in your notes. Beginner level of faith is belief that God is able 
to do a miracle. So it, it, it doesn't mean he will, but it just means he's powerful enough to do it in your life. And there's a lot of people that have forgotten the fact that our God is bigger than the situation they're in right now. He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than diabetes. He's bigger than your struggles. He's bigger than depression. God is bigger than your situation. He's able to take care of it. The scriptures tell us this, that our God spoke and, and the world was formed. Galaxies came out of his mouth. So think about this, all right? God's up there. He speaks and Milky Way. It's pretty awesome. He speaks again, Andromeda. He speaks again, other galaxies. <laughs> if I knew other ones, I would tell you other ones. <laughs> the same God who can speak and worlds will form is the same God, the scripture says, knows the amount of hairs on your head. This is unbelievable. You know what this shows me? That God is vastly huge, but incredibly detailed. So that means how, no matter how big he is, he knows the small details of your life. So he's strong enough to create the universe, but he's, he's small enough to deal with your, your issues in your life. We gotta believe again that our God is able to deal with whatever we are going through in our life. He's, he's able to help you through that. He can restore that relationship. He can heal that sickness. He can bring that lost child home. I hope today you are encouraged in your faith to believe again that God is able to deal with whatever you are going through today. Jeremiah says it this way, all sovereign God. He goes, you, you are the one that made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. And look what he says, nothing is too hard for you. Let, let us believe again a nothing is too hard for him, God, that the situation you're dealing with is not too difficult. I think some people walked in and they're really frustrated because they seem like their situation is big. Can I encourage you? God is bigger. He's bigger than whatever you're going through. He's greater than whatever you're going through. He's stronger than whatever you're going through. He can bring you through it. Can we give him a little bit of praise today? Amen. That, that's the most elementary form of faith is just to believe God is able. Here's the second one. Look at the verse, verse 17. And he says it like this. Our God is able to deliver us from it, but listen, he says, and he, he will deliver us. That's another level. Beginner, God is able. Here's intermediate faith. Write it down in your notes. Belief that God is willing to do the miracle. So it's not just I believe he can. I believe he wants to in my life today. And I think this is another level of faith where I just, I, I wanna have the belief that God genuinely desires to do miracles in my life. And I just, I love this willingness that is available. Katie and I um, are, we have our uh, four kids. The third one, his name is Kai. And about a year and a half, two years or so ago, he had some crazy growth start forming on his, on his face. And we were, um, any, as any parent would be, we were concerned we were shocked. We didn't know what to do. We uh, made a big mistake, and we Googled it. Come on, anybody ever done that before? Like, terrible idea. Don't ever do that. And I remember getting to a place where I, I, I got to a place of like, okay, God, I know you're strong enough to deal with this. And then as we wrestled even more, and I would, I would fast, I would pray, I would get good encouragement around me, I moved to that intermediate level of faith where I said, God, not only are you able, but I know you will heal my son. 
Like you, you start speaking in a different way when you know the willingness of God is to come through for your situation. You say things like, he will take care of this cancer. He will, will bring that person home. He will restore my marriage. He will bring me into my purpose. You, when you know the purposes of God, you could stand on the willingness of God. Man, he will do it. And I'm telling you the true story, and God miraculously healed our boy. It was a miracle that we look back on and we say, oh man, this is the nature of God. That he desires to get involved in our brokenness and our sicknesses. So Philippians says it like this. It says, and my God, what? Oh, let's say it louder at every location. My God, what? He, he will supply. So that's, that's the encouragement. When the, when the financial burden seems too big, that's where you step on the fact of, no, no, no. My God will come through for me. I, I am a child of God. I am a tither. I am obedient to him. No, he will come through for me no matter what it looks like. You gotta hold on to the willingness of God. And, and let me, look at me just for a second. If you ever think that you're confused about will God do something or not, I, which we all do, here's what you do. You look at Jesus. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. We get to see everything about God in Jesus. So if you're ever confused about what God would do, just look at what Jesus already did. And Jesus willingly came down to this earth. He willingly got close to broken people. He willingly healed people's diseases. He willingly paid the price for our sins. He is a God that is willing and he deserves all of our praise because of it. Come on, amen. All right, but then we get to our third one, ready? He's able, he's willing, but then look what the verse says in verse 18. They go, but even if he doesn't. Oh, this is another level of faith that I don't think people like to talk about. Everybody's always challenging me, going, Aaron, we want you to take us deeper. Take us a little bit further. Challenge our faith. You ready for me to challenge your faith? This is the level that you should live at in your life. Here's, here's what I call the advanced level of faith. You want to grow today? Here's what you need to do. Take on this advanced level. It's belief that God is good even when I don't get my miracle. So I, I prayed for it. I fasted. I, I claimed it, and it didn't happen. What do you do then? What do you do? Because we've all had those moments where we sincerely sought God, and the miracle didn't happen the way we wanted it to do. We're, we're in a passage where you know the end of the story where God rescues them from the fire. And if you don't know the end of the story, next week you're going to realize God rescues them from the fire. But they didn't know that. And they lived at such faith to say, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know why it's going to happen. But we're going to trust that our God is good despite what happens. And he's going to get our worship even if it doesn't turn out the way we want it to turn out. And I think this is what God's calling us into today. Because I truly believe we serve a God that does miracles. But what happens when the miracle doesn't happen the way you want it to? Let me challenge you on how to get an even if level of faith. You want to go to that next level today? Here's how you get an even if level of faith. Three things I see from the story, and we'll wrap it up, that are challenging to my life, and I hope they're challenging to you. Number one, when bad times come, you gotta understand that commitment always lasts longer in community. All right, write it down. Commitment lasts longer in community. This is huge because I know a lot of people, they're very passionate about God on Sundays, and they're very passionate about God one day, but then one thing happens in their life. The divorce happens, the abandonment happens, this diagnosis happens, and what happens? They start letting their situations dictate their faith. So then 
their faith starts to wander and, and mess up. And why? Because they didn't run around the right community to make the commitment last a little bit longer. Uh, about a little over a month ago, me and a couple of guys on staff, Pastor Ryan, Pastor David, who uh, is uh, one of our executive pastors, we, we decided to do Whole30 together. I don't know if you've ever done Whole30. It is a diet from the pits of hell that I just decided to do with them. And so we all went, wanted to get in shape. We're going to take 30 days and do this. And how many know when you started, it's not like two or three days later you feel bad. It's like the first morning. Like, I wouldn't have even eaten normally by that time. And I'm waking up like, oh, I'm starving. Oh, this diet's terrible. So what we did is we put together a, a, a chain, uh, a text chain, and we just started texting each other, like multiple times throughout the day, like bothering each other. Hey, are you staying good? Are you, are you cheating? Any, any temptations? When temptations would come, we'd send each other the picture, be like, can you believe this? Nobody has ever bought me an entire rice cake before until right now. The devil is a liar, ladies. <laughs> what, what is it? It's, it's during those moments, and, and we survived it. I'm telling you, between, okay, I'd say we survived it. We, we did 30 days, one of us did 29 days, but we forgot to text them that day. We won't bring that up. I won't even point out who it was, but the rest of us did 30 days a full faithfulness, we lost a ton of weight, we are super healthy because of it, and we would never have survived without community. Why? Because community makes commitment last longer. I think this is crucial for your life. This is why people come into Radiant, they raise their hand, they give their life to Christ, they walk out of here and nothing changes in their life because they forgot a crucial thing. Listen, a lot of you guys have given your life to Christ, but you missed out on giving your life to the community that Christ gave his life to. So, so don't just give your life to Christ, give your life to the community that Christ gave his life for and watch how your commitment will last a little bit longer. It'll happen in your life. I think this is huge because every time these guys are mentioned in the Bible, they're not mentioned individually. Every time they're mentioned as what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isn't that interesting? I, they, they, are, they are so committed. They're known as some of the most committed people in the Bible, and they're never met, I mean, mentioned individually. Why? Because commitment lasts longer in community. I, I honestly think, and I, I can't prove it, but I think that the situation probably went like this. Abednego was the really good one. Come on. I don't know if you've ever met an Abednego. I haven't, but if he is, if there's a person named Abednego, they're, they're righteous. Like, they're not listening to bad music. They're watching only, like, VeggieTales. That's Abednego. Like, you get in your car, they want to change the channel to, like, the Christian radio station. They're like, we just don't, that's Abednego. Abednego's the good guy. Then you got Shadrach. You don't have a, you know you're a bad boy if your name's Shad. You know what I mean? You're just tough. You know, you're, you're saved, but barely. You know what I mean? That's Shad. And it was probably these three guys are standing before King Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar says, you will bow down and worship or be thrown into the fire. And Abednego says, listen, let us burn. We will, our God is able, our God is willing, and even if he doesn't, we will not worship you. We will worship our God. And then there's Shadrach over here going, what? Did you just hear about the fiery furnace? Are you, he's, he's not speaking for all of us, you know, like, no, 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 he needed one friend in his life that'll say, you know what, when everybody else compromises, we're not compromising, we're not backing down. That's what you get at Radiant Church. You need some community that'll help your commitment last a little bit longer. 
That's good preaching today. That's why it's such a good season for our church because there's so many on-ramps towards community right now. You can go through next steps at every location. You can get into a group. They just started last week. But man, we'll find room for you. We want you in a group this next week. We want you connected on the dream team, not because we need you to serve, but because you need community in your life. Get into community. Here's the second thing. When tough times come, here's how I have even if faith. As I simply remember what God has done for me is greater than what life is doing to me. I think many times in our life, we are clouded in our judgment and thinking that what is happening to us is the worst thing that could possibly happen. And we've all had those moments where we look at those things happening to us and you go, it could, it's so terrible. It could not get any worse than this. And I'm not making light of your issues. I just want you to know that God's been good to you, church. Some, don't, don't be mistaken in believing that you have been on the opposite side of the goodness of God. No, no, God has been good to you. And when I face really difficult, really frustrating times, I'm gonna hold on to the fact that God has been faithful to me in the past. And if he's been faithful to me in the past, guess what? This situation that's in front of me right now will not dictate my praise. It's the goodness of God that'll dictate my praise. And he's been good. I don't understand this one, but I'm gonna still thank him for this one. Come on, he's a good God and what he's done for you. It's greater than what the world has done to you. And this world can throw some pretty terrible things at us. I want you to know that God's been good to you. You might not understand it. He saved you from that car accident. You don't even know that. He, he saved you from that relationship. You don't believe me? Go back and look at some of those people you dated in high school. You will give God your greatest praise. That's terrible. He, he's done it in your life. But we get this, this amnesia to believe that, oh, where are you at, God? No, no, no. He's been there all. I've just, when I'm at a place where I don't understand, I just go, you know what? I just trust that what God has done for me is greater than anything that the world is doing to me at this moment. All right, number three, last one. Because some of you have gone through really, really difficult seasons, and you are right now. Unimaginable things that when it comes down to it, it does not make sense. So in those moments, number three, here's how I have even if type faith. When I don't understand, I choose to trust. I just choose to trust the unknown of this life to the known God in my life. I choose to trust that when life is not good, God is. When I don't understand because of my finite being and my finite brain, I trust an infinite God who is all-powerful and all-knowing that while I don't understand it, I trust that he's got it put together and that though it seems terrible at the time, that he will turn it around for the good. This is a decision that we have to make in life's most difficult moments when the furnace has been turned up, when the heat is on, and the salvation out of that issue seems impossible. I choose to trust God even then. This became very real to me when I was 23 years old. I became a youth pastor in Pensacola. I took over this youth group, and in the youth group was a 15-year-old boy. He was the church drummer he was the kindest, like most, like when you think of a crazy teenager, he was the opposite. He just loved God, loved to worship. He was a worshiper. His name is Frankie. Frankie was a great kid. As soon as I came in, about three weeks later, Frankie got sick, goes in the hospital, and uh, gets diagnosed with stage four cancer. It's tragic. 
I walked with him through this situation. And I remember standing on the promises of God. God is able. He can heal this thing. I'm telling you, and, and in the last few years, I have seen how powerful our God is. We have laid hands on people in our church that have been in the most dire of situations. We had one guy in our church, stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma just a couple years ago. I visited him, it was his deathbed. He's 80 pounds, his eyes are glazed over, there's no response. We laid hands on him, anointed him with oil. It was only a miracle of God, and that guy got up out of that bed. He is as healthy as could be today. He is following God. I'm telling you, I, I stand on these things. I've seen it in my life. I believe God was able to heal Frankie. He can take care of cancer. He can take care of your depression. He can take care of your anxiety. He can take care of that issue. Got pretty severe for Frankie and I moved into another gear where I believe God was willing to. I don't know if you've ever been in these moments, you get filled with faith and seasons of fasting and prayer. I was writing down scriptures declaring God's promises. Don't, don't tell me I didn't say the right things. I, I spoke God's word over him. I spoke life over him. Teenagers would come around me and they'd be sobbing, crying, going, is Frankie gonna die? And I'd sit there and go, no, 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 no. I promise you, our God is willing. He will heal this boy. Two months after that, Frankie's dead. Just turned 16 years old, single mom, sitting there by his side, burying her only son. Life is not good at times. I remember sitting there in that moment, his mom was grieving so horribly. She was so distraught that her boy, and she was a woman so filled with faith, and she would say things like, Aaron, we're not even gonna bury this boy because I know God's gonna raise him from the dead. After he'd already died. We did the viewing ceremony, you know, for like the youth group and the church's pack. And after the viewing ceremony, she stood, and, and listen, I'm not making light of this situation. I'm just telling you how extreme it is. She told me, she said, listen, we will not bury my son tomorrow. He will be raised from the dead tonight. So she's like, I'm sticking around. I have some friends. We're going to pray over his body tonight. I'm like, this is getting weird. I, I, my whole response when my pastor told me, he goes, Aaron, you're, you're, you can pray in this situation. Believe God. But you stand by that door and don't let a single person in here because they're going to think we're crazy. That's the truth. So I stood there just by the door. And I watched as 30 plus people just prayed and screamed and quoted scripture over that dead boy's body. Nothing happened. I, I don't understand that. Like, if anybody deserved it, he deserved that miracle. That boy deserved that. And I don't understand it. I remember sitting in the back, just as broken as I could be about this thing. And I'm sitting there praying, God, please, what a testimony it would be to the whole world. Just raise this kid up. Like, I don't know. Like, I know it's possible. I know you want to. Would you please do the miracle? And I remember at that time is when Daniel chapter 3 came alive for me, where God spoke to me and said, Aaron, I'm able and I'm willing, but I wonder if you're willing to worship me if I don't. 
And I, I, I'm telling you, I, I know it's difficult because I want those miracles in my life, but I wonder where the people are who will say, you know what, even when I don't get the miracle, my worship is not dependent upon my circumstance or the outcome. It's worship on the fact that God is good and God is holy and God is God and I'm not, and I don't understand it all, but I choose to trust. Share one more thing and I'll be done. I actually think when we get to heaven, and I hope you make it, I don't think we have this moment. If you don't think you're gonna make it, we'll give you an opportunity in just a second. You're gonna stand before God. He's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. You're gonna walk into heaven, and there's gonna be a sound. I, I, I bank on it, okay? There's gonna be a sound. You know there's like special sounds, like Pringles cans, you know, it's a beautiful sound. Or a Coke, you know, you know the Coke comes. There's gonna be a sound of the noise of every single person that walks into heaven. And I think it's gonna be this. Like, I always used to think it would be like, wow, because they see God. I think it's gonna be different. I think it's gonna go, ah, because everything will make sense. It's at that moment on the other side of eternity that you'll walk in, and I think it'll only be a matter of a few seconds where you'll walk in and you'll go, Oh, it makes sense. I was so distraught over this, but I didn't realize how God was gonna turn it into this. I was so frustrated about this. Oh man, God was good even when life was not. I want you to know that no matter how bad life has been, you're gonna realize one day that we serve a God that has been so good, that will be so good, that is so good. You need to trust in the fact that one day it'll all make sense and we'll give him all the praise and we'll give him all the worship because he is good. Come on, give him your best praise today. It'll all make sense one day. Just, just where you're at, why don't you just stand right where you're standing, every location. Just close your eyes. I want your moment where some people are so broken, they're so hurt. This has been a season where things don't make sense but when life is not good, God is. And I'm gonna ask Pastor David just to sing. I know the other worship leaders are on the stage too. We're gonna sing out this thing one more time and then we're gonna close it out. Nobody's been forsaken. The Lord is in this place. Come on, let him heal you right now. Let him do a deep work in your heart. Let him release that discouragement, that frustration. He sees your hurt.
right where you're at. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You're in here today and there's some discouragement. There's some things that are unknown. Just ask the Lord, say, God, I put my trust back in you. Lord, when I don't understand, I choose to trust. And watch how the peace of God peace of God. It's coming on people in St. Petersburg right now. It's coming on people in Brandon, here at the the Heights, at South Tampa. People watch it online. Let the peace of God fall on your life to say, you know what? I've got it taken care of. I'm for you. I'm behind you. I am able. I am willing. And even if it doesn't work out the way you want it to work out, it'll make sense one day. We put our trust in you today, God. With every eye closed and every head bowed, there's a lot of people that haven't made that first decision to put their trust in Christ. That's you today. Today's your day of salvation. Would you right there in your seat make a bold, real, permanent decision to say, I'm putting my trust in God. This is your day of salvation. That's you on the count of three. I want you to throw that hand up and say, Aaron, today's my day of salvation. I haven't been living for Christ, but I'm going to today. I'm gonna make a decision to commit my life to him. And I believe God will see you right there in that seat. He'll forgive your sins. He'll put you on a new path. Today's your day of salvation. That's you on the count of three. I want you to throw that hand up. Wave it at me. Put it right back down. Ready? One, two, three. All over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Dozens of hands going up all over Tampa Bay. Just pray this phrase. Say, God, I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my past. Tell them this. Say, God, I put my trust in you. Not just for today, but for the rest of my life. I'm gonna follow you. Lord, not, not just ask him, say, God, help this commitment stick by putting me around the right community. And we thank you for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate lives change all over Tampa Bay for Jesus? All right, do me a favor. Everybody have a seat. We're almost done, and then we're gonna dismiss in just a second. Here's what I want you to do. If you just made that commitment to follow Christ, I want you to check on there, that commitment card, and everybody get that commitment card. Make sure you, you check on there. I committed my life to Christ. You can put prayer needs on there, and we're gonna follow up with you. Here's why. Because we want that commitment to last, and that commitment is best uh, lasted in what? Community. You need some people around in your life. So as you're filling those things out, we're going to end this service at every location with worshiping God through our generosity. So you can give here in this service online through text giving. Your generosity is making a difference around the world. And while you prepare to give, check out this video. Hello, Pastor Aaron and Radiant Church. When Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas, the devastation was overwhelming. But because of your generosity and our partnership, we've been able to deliver 31 airplane loads of food, water, and disaster supplies, totaling 240,000 pounds of goods. None of this would have been possible without our partnership with you. Your generosity is literally restoring people's hope. So on behalf of Convoy of Hope and thousands of people being served in the Bahamas, thank you for engaging the need and for demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for helping us deliver hope. Come on, Ready. Can we give God some praise for what God is doing in the Bahamas? It's so amazing to see our finances at work expanding the kingdom of heaven, not only in this city, but in all over the world. And uh, I want to encourage you real quick with a quick scripture concerning giving. It's probably one of my favorites. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 6 and 7. It says this, He that sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And this is what it says after that. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Listen to this, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, real quick, as we're about to take up the offering, I want you to do something. I want you to smile for me as big as you can. Come on, I ain't moving on to everybody smiling. I don't care. I see everybody investing in crest white strips. And come on, church, I see you just smiling. Listen, why? Because there needs to be a shift sometimes if we're not careful. You know, when it comes time to worship God with our tithes and offerings, you're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm just going to put something. No, no, no. He's saying that there. We don't have to do it grudgingly. We get to do it with a joyful heart. Why? Knowing what God has done in my life, I want to see happen in other people's lives. How God has transformed my life through this church, I want to see other people's life transformed in the exact same way. Wave at me if your life has been transformed through Radiant Church. Come on, I'm right here with you. My life has been deeply impacted. So each time my wife and I give, we are saying, man, we want to see what happened in our lives happen in others' lives. So I want to encourage you, as you give today, do it with joy. Do it with a cheerful heart. We have a few ways for you to give this morning. One is you can text the number on the screen. Super easy to do. You can go to our website, weareradiant.com, and give through there. But also, there's some envelopes attached to the seat back in front of you. You can take that, fill it out, put it your credit and debit card information, or put cash in there. Whatever works best for you. But there's three ways. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to bless you as we go into this time. Father, I thank you for each person in this room who's so faithfully given each week out of a joyful heart. Lord, I thank you for the gratitude that's coming out of our hearts, for the joy, Lord, and the faithfulness that is in this church when it comes to giving. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.